You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Once again, it's the Bama Online Podcast, this one on Wednesday, May the 12th, 2021. Travis Ryer joined by fellow BOL staffer Charlie Potter on a Wednesday afternoon. Charlie, you excited? You got your NFL schedule released tonight. By the time this uploads to your smart device, maybe we'll already know fully anyway the NFL schedule for the 2021 season, although they like to release some of those teasers starting first thing in the morning. We already have a little bit of an idea what that schedule looks like, I guess, Charlie. Yeah, the um, week one games are out, and that's you know it's always exciting because that's the the things that people are going to be talking about before the season starts. And you know, just one that that jumps off the page early is New England against Miami. I don't know if Mac Jones will be the starting quarterback for the Patriots entering game one. I think. You know, Cam Newton will probably be the guy they run out there first. But, you know, it's a, it's a possible matchup of, of Tua versus Mac. And outside of that, though, there's a ton of Alabama players, um, you know, in that matchup with Jalen Waddell and Raekwon Davis, uh, Robert Foster now in, in Miami, and you've got Damian Harris, Anthony Jennings, and Christian Barmore up in New England. So that one jumps off the page. There's several others that have a bunch of Alabama players That'll be facing off against each other. But, um, no, I mean, this is the time of year I wish I had a favorite NFL team. Um, I don't. There are several that I, I enjoy watching, you know, especially back from my childhood and things like that. But, you know, just to see kind of the early matchups, that's always entertaining. And uh, you, you kind of love to see the other fan bases kind of squirm and, and gripe and complain a little bit, too. Yeah, Dante Hightower, I guess, coming off the opt-out. Might be getting after Tua. Might be getting after two a little bit, perhaps, Charlie. Yeah, I feel bad about leaving him out because it's it's tough this past year keeping up with the the weekly, um, you know, just the NFL roundup. I always do the tight in the NFL each week to to see how players fared in in each game, and uh, you had you had a few opt outs from the Alabama standpoint, whether it was Dante Hightower, uh, C.J. Mosley, uh, Christian Miller. Um, so yeah, that, those guys I had to kind of put on the back burner just in my mind or else I would be, you know, just scouring the defensive stats for those, those players names. So I got to get back into, into mid season form. You can tell I haven't, I haven't knocked the rust off from, from dealing with those. Oh, offense. it's allowed. We're not even into, we're not even into rookie camp yet. So those are allowed at this point. And really you think about Dante Hightower and CJ Mosley, not to go too far down that opt out rabbit hole, but. When you consider where both those guys are at in their career, maybe a little, a little break uh, in the action. Uh, perhaps that that serves them well. I know you think about it in terms of wow, they just lost a year of earnings. Uh, but if it ex- if it could potentially extend your career by a couple of three seasons, maybe it ends up being a good thing for those guys uh, as they head down the back stretches of their professional careers. Charlie, uh, something we're going to get into today is a ranking 
of Alabama's 2021 opponents for the upcoming season. We'll go 12 to 1. There's been some continued news with this roster, though, first and foremost. Henry Toa as you have covered extensively for us at BamaOnline.com, has made his intentions known that he plans to be a member of the Alabama Crimson Tide during the upcoming season, joining Jamison Williams in transferring over to Alabama. Williams from Ohio State, of course, and I know that's kept you busy here in the last week or so. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Hank South is all over the Henry Toa Toa stuff for us. Yeah. I think he did a great job from start to finish and, and kept BOL subscribers in the loop of kind of where that was trending. And it, it didn't come as much of a surprise because of that. I think we were all kind of anticipating that at this point. And for Henry Toa Toa to join this defense, I think on the surface, it just it makes it better. And um, you know, I, I think that he's going to have to come in and, and compete. I think in the spring we saw, you know, just kind of what Alabama's inside linebacker position can be, the depth they have there. I think Jalen Moody, um, had they not added uh, Henry Toa Toa, would have been a very formidable starter. I think he's going to be even tough to to knock off his perch at this point. But I think you bring a guy like uh, Henry in to to compete and to fortify your inside linebacker spot and. You, know, you and I know from having you know covered the team um, you know, the, uh, a couple of years ago, you would have taken an extra body and a guy that was uh, brought in the experience of a Henry Toa Toa because they were down a couple linebackers. The linebacker room, uh, whether inside or outside, is, is dealt with uh, injuries. So adding depth and experience depth at that, I think, is beneficial for this defense. And you know, if he comes in and starts, I mean, I think Alabama um, is going to be tough to to knock them off of the perch of having the best linebacking core in the country. When you look at you know, Christian Harris, uh, you know, you, you think Henry Toa Toa would be the wheel, maybe him in a mixture of um, Jalen Moody, and then you have Christopher Allen and, and Will Anderson up front. So I think, you know, at the bare minimum, it's competition, it's depth, but I think just overall it, it makes this defense better and shows that they're wanting to have you know, quality depth at, at each and every position. It's fascinating because I think a question or a thought that a lot of folks who either cover Alabama, fans of Alabama, have probably had go through their minds in the last year or so is the what if. What if Henry Toa Toa had landed at Alabama to go along with Christian Harris? Well, kind of a long way around to it, I guess, Charlie, but it looks like we might get an answer to that what if in 2021. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting, you know, to to think about that hypothetical situation. So if he had come in in that same class with Christian Harris and Shane Lee, Christian Harris being a guy that didn't play linebacker in high school, do you get the same Christian Harris that you have today? Because I think being forced into the fire and really just being a starter the last two years, he has grown and developed almost by force into the player I think he can be this year, and that's one of the best linebackers in the country. But if you have a guy like uh, Shane Lee that knows the defense and you know, is, a, is a thumper there in the middle, and you have a guy like Henry Toa Toa who went up and, and started right away at Tennessee uh, without injuries to guys like Dylan Moses and, and Josh McMillan, does that maybe stunt the development of a Christian Harris? So I think you know um, it is, like you said, a, a long way to the result. But I think it worked out pretty well for Alabama with finally getting him on campus and potentially being able to pair him beside a guy like Christian Harris, who has shown development over the course of his first two years at Alabama. 
Yeah, expedited, I guess you could say, the development of Christian Harris with the injuries, with Henry Toa Toa choosing the University of Tennessee initially, maybe even N'Kobe Dean as a part of that equation here in the last couple of three years, uh, choosing Georgia instead of the Crimson Tide. So we'll certainly have you covered, and you're absolutely correct about Hank South. It was three months ago he did that interview with Henry Toa Toa's father, where Mr. Toa Toa made it very clear, laid it out very crystal clear, that if things went according to plan, Henry's next stop would be Tuscaloosa. All right, uh, Charlie, I'm thinking of Hank now. Charlie Potter, let's get into ranking some opponents, ranking the 12 opponents for the Alabama Crimson Tide during the 2021 season. We'll start with number 12. We'll go worst to first, in our opinions. And I think we're both going to have the same team, I'm guessing, Charlie, there in the number 12 spot. Yeah, um, you know, I've, I've started my weekly look at opponents. It's a good way to pass time in the offseason, but it is a good way to, to brush up on who Alabama is going to play and to you know do some – it's kind of like what Alabama does in the spring. They prepare for opponents um, – and things that they're not going to face, or that might be abnormal. It, it gives me a chance to brush up on these guys, and I'm doing 11 weeks, and as you just said, there are 12 opponents, and if, if there's an FCS team on the schedule, I, I just kind of scratch them off. Um, maybe that'll come back to bite me one day, but it hasn't yet, and uh, <laughs> so for that reason, I will go with Mercer at number 12. The Bears of Mercer. Been an interesting eight or nine months for Mercer because being an FCS level team, you know, obviously not the not the participation back in the fall at the FCS level as there was with the FBS teams, but Mercer played games in October and then also, in February, March, and April, be hard-pressed to find many teams in college football that could say they played college football games in October, February, March, and April. But you know, after uh, you know a, a sort of lackluster performance back in October, the Bears did go 5-3 and three against Southern Conference competition in the new year, but I'm with you. I got Mercer on September the 11th in that 12 spot. How about number 11? I think you got a little competition between a couple of group of fives, but who do you have in that 11th spot, Charlie? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's between New Mexico state and Southern Miss. And uh, you talk about a shortened season and just looking at the schedules and the results of those, New Mexico state was only able to play two games and they went one and one. And uh, you just look at various rankings of teams. There, there's been guys that have done thankless work, um, of, of ranking every um, Division One school. And, and New Mexico State on some of those lists is, is near the bottom. So I, I have them coming in at number 11. Um, you know, that's a game that you kind of, after what we experienced last year with SEC-only competition, you know, talking about these Mercers and New Mexico States and Southern Miss, um, it's kind of almost a bummer to see them back on the schedule. I know this does help teams like this out because – like I said in the beginning, you know, New Mexico State only played two games. They're they're going to get a nice paycheck from Alabama, so I know that's good for them. But just in terms of ranking these teams from worst to first, um, yeah, I have to put New Mexico State there at number eleven. Yeah, a couple of Aggies on the schedule this year, and I've got New Mexico State 
ranking as the bottom of those two here in the 11 hole myself. You said it two games back uh, in uh, as far as games that have been played by New Mexico State because of COVID. Uh, interesting that New Mexico State will get Alabama and Kentucky in back-to-back weeks, back-to-back Saturdays in November of this season. I'll tell you what, I give it to Doug Martin, though, the head coach for NMSU. He's 23-64 and 64 overall as the head coach at New Mexico State, but he's still around for his eighth season. I mean, you just don't see that. In, in FBS football anymore. It's pretty hard to go 23 and 64 and make it to your eighth year, but Coach Martin has done that. You mentioned the paycheck aspect of this. That was the case a couple of years ago. That'll be the case once again on November the 13th. So I'm guessing in that number 10 spot, you've got the team from Hattiesburg. I do, yeah. Um, you know, they went three and seven last year. There's a few SEC teams uh, on this list that went three and seven too, but um, you know, Southern Miss was two and four in conference play. So just um, you know, they were able to play more games in New Mexico State, but they didn't have a, a great go of it uh, last year. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, these bottom three teams, you knew they were going to be there. It's just a matter of you know ranking them and. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we were in agreement on that because that makes me feel a little bit better because of the lack of research that I did. <laughs> Will Hall takes over as the head coach at USM, a name that might be familiar in the region because Will has been the head coach previously at West Alabama in Livingston and then also at the University of West Georgia. So uh, he is a guy that is familiar, again, with the state of Mississippi from his High school and junior college days, was a player at the University of North Alabama. Crazy season last year for the Eagles of USM. Had three different head coaches during the course of the season. Uh, Hall takes over on a full-time basis. And I guess Jack Abraham moving on from USM at quarterback to Mississippi State, where he's competing with uh, Will Rogers for that starting job there in Starkville. You got a familiar name at running back too, and Frank Gore Jr. That's right, the son of the legendary NFL longtime NFL running back Frank Gore Sr. In fact, I saw a recent rankings by I guess it was Pro Football Focus had their top ten running backs for the 2021 season, and they had Frank Gore Jr. among the top ten going into his sophomore season. So Charlie, we get into the power five slash sec, uh, discussion where the Alabama schedule, where it's Alabama's opponents for the upcoming season is concerned. Who do you have as the bottom feeder among the power five opponents for the upcoming season? This was tough. Um, you know, I, I, the top probably, you know, four or five teams, I think maybe even six would be, um, I think we'll be in agreement, but these, these last three, uh, they could really go a myriad of different directions. And for me at number nine, um, I, I weighed kind of, you know, where the games are taking place and things like that, uh, whether in Tuscaloosa or on the road. So I went with Tennessee at number nine and, you know, we, we talked about Henry Toa Toa. Um, you know, we saw some attrition, obviously they had a, a change in the, in the coaching staff. And I think the thing, it, it's not going to be just a, uh, prevailing um, factor for these teams, but quarterback play and you know Tennessee just hasn't had that uh, of late. They haven't had it in a while, matter of fact. So going three and seven last year again, going through a, a head coaching change, 
Jeremy Pruitt no longer in Knoxville, you know, you enter uh, Josh Heupel. I, I think it's just going to be some growing pains in year one. And um, I think that it, I could have went a, a bunch of different directions. I, I scratched some of this out when I jotted it down and tried to, to map it out. But I, I went with the, the first-year head coach at the bottom of the barrel. Tennessee might surprise some people. Um, you know, they're, they're going to have good players. But I just think that coming off a 3-7 and seven season and the turmoil that they had, I, I had to put them at the bottom. Damn it, Charlie. We're too much in agreement so far. I've got the balls there. <laughs> At number nine as well, you're right. The game will be played in Tuscaloosa. And that's something you got to take into consideration, especially as we move towards the, I guess you could say the top of the list, even though we're going from, from bottom to top. Um, yeah, I've got Tennessee there. At number nine, just the attrition to that roster that Josh Heupel has inherited. And you look at the places where Tennessee transfers have landed, like three of those guys to to Oklahoma, including Wanya Morris and uh, the running back, Eric Gray. So uh, just to OU alone, Tennessee might have lost three starters. Toa Toa, of course, here recently to Alabama. You mentioned the quarterback situation. Uh, Josh Heupel trying to draw on talent from a number of different aspects, whether it's the roster he's inherited with Harrison Bailey, Brian Maurer, obviously the transfer portal, a big part of that too. Joe Milton coming in from uh, the University of Michigan. It's just tough to see for Tennessee in year one under Josh Heupel uh, winning more than a couple of SEC games. So with that, we go to number eight. Charlie, who do you have in the number eight slot? Yeah, I went back and forth on on eight and nine, and uh, maybe I should have swapped it so we would have been a little different. But um, the fact that this is on the road, I went with Mississippi State. Um, you know, I've seen them uh, be mentioned in some of ESPN's rankings. I think their uh, S and P rankings had them pretty highly ranked. But just going into that Mississippi State game last year, um, you know, just talking about you know, the new system that the Pirate was bringing to Starkville, um, it it never really phased Alabama and they, they had it figured out pretty well. And, um, you know, that was really, I guess the A&M game was the, the one game. It was 52, 24, which actually is the same score as the national championship game. But that was really where you saw, um, a, a dominant performance all around from Alabama, 41 to nothing in that game. I just, I don't think Mississippi state's that much of a threat. Now Starkville, things can get weird in Starkville. Um, you know, it, it's always just a strange trip. It, it seems like there's always something, uh, weird going on but I, I had Mississippi State near the bottom of the barrel they went four and seven last year um, you know three and seven in SEC play and again that the goose egg that Alabama laid on that new offensive attack um, you know it it loomed large in my in my thinking so I had them at number eight wow we have our first contradiction here with Charlie going with MSU at eight, I went Arkansas at eight. I know there was a lot of excitement in year one under Sam Pittman. You've got a quarterback transition in Fayetteville. K.J. Jefferson expected to be the successor to Felipe Franks. You do have – the good news for Arkansas is ton of talent around the quarterback position and Traylon Smith, Traylon Burks at the skill spots, some quality tight ends as well defensively a lot of the production from last year returns grant morgan maybe the best name in all of sec football bumper pool back at that one linebacker spot jalen catalan at the safety position was outstanding a year ago 
Here's my thing for Arkansas, and you talked about it, scheduling how it comes into play with a list like this. I don't like where Arkansas is for its sake on the schedule. November the 20th, if depth is still as much of an issue for a team like Arkansas as you think it will be, and you think about week 11 and where that roster is at, I could envision Arkansas being in a very similar place to what it was when Alabama went out to Fayetteville in December. There just wasn't a lot left, right, of that Arkansas team that got a lot of people excited, maybe more so in the first half to two-thirds of the season. So I'll go Arkansas at eight there. I like it, though. We got a little bit of a difference of opinion going on. So let's see where number seven takes us before we head to a break here on the Bama Online Podcast. Who do you have in that spot, Charlie? I have Arkansas. Um, I, I like that Arkansas just has a ton of experience coming back. They had one player drafted, keeping up with that trend of defensive tackles going in the draft. But that's really all they have to replace on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, like you said, um, you know Grant Morgan, bumper pull in the middle of that defense. Jalen Catalan is a guy that um, probably doesn't get enough love. I think he's a solid defensive back for them. And then offensively, um, yeah, you have to replace Felipe Franks. But we saw a little bit of K.J. Jefferson last year. And I think you know with him – Coming off of a spring, I'm, I'm, I'm right in the middle of Arkansas week, so this is all fresh in my mind. But <laughs> in a spring where the, the quarterbacks can't run that much, I think that's something that he's going to bring to the table. Obviously, with that, you want to keep him healthy and not take a lot of unnecessary shots. But he's a bigger quarterback, and his mobility, I think, is intriguing. I think Traylon Burks is going to be one of the best players in the SEC at wide receiver. Monster. They obviously lose. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about uh, Tennessee um, and guys going to Oklahoma. You know, their their number two receiver, Mike Woods, is headed to the Sooners. So, you know, that's another uh, missing piece. But outside of that, they've got everybody back. And uh, depth is going to be important. That's why I don't have them, you know, in the top half of these rankings. But um, they were three and seven last year. But that's three more SEC games that they had won the previous two years under Chad Morris. And I think that Sam Pittman's the right guy for that job. And I think they can, you know, adding these non-conference games, it'll be interesting to see if, if Arkansas can get to – uh, bowl eligibility because I think they can be um, an exciting team in the SEC. It's just you know it's it's going to be baby steps. I think having this experience back helps, but uh, yeah, that's why I had them ahead of Mississippi State. Yeah, Oklahoma drawing away from a couple opponents of Alabama, some critical talent, uh, as you mentioned there. Uh, we talked about in relation to Tennessee as well. Uh, they'll be sending uh, a pretty significant skilled player or have sent a wide receiver to an Alabama opponent that we'll be talking about here in the top six teams on this list uh, for Alabama in the 2021 schedule. Uh, number seven, I went with Auburn. Yeah, it's tough. It's on the road. We know what's happened in three of the last four trips for Alabama down to the plains, but Auburn maybe not to the extent of Tennessee, but still – uh, significant turnover to that roster, whether it was early departures to the NFL with an emphasis on the wide receiver position. Yes, you like as a building block, very much Tank Bigsby at the running back position. Yes, it's an experienced offensive line that comes back. It hasn't been a great experience for a lot of that offensive line to this point. I've got concerns about that defensive line. Zacoby McLean, Owen Papo at the linebacker spots. Very good, very capable 
Smoke Monday at the safety. I think the secondary will be fine, but I don't see enough dynamic playmakers at skill position spots, whether you're talking offense or uh, maybe in terms of pass rush, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I've got the Auburn Tigers there in the final regular season game on the schedule at Jordan-Hare Stadium in that number seven spot. We're going to take a quick break here on the podcast. When we come back, we'll get into the top six, the top half, in our opinion, of Alabama's opponents for the 2021 schedule. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back with more of the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer alongside Charlie Potter. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the podcast? It's simple, a click or two. It's free to you. If you leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we'd greatly appreciate that as well. So how about it, Charlie? Let's get to number six. Let's get into the top half of these opponent rankings for Alabama for the upcoming season. Who do you have there in that sixth spot? Yeah, I have Auburn. And, um, you know, I think, like you said, they, they have to replace a lot. But the fact that it's at Auburn, um, even more so than Starkville, it, it hasn't been great to Alabama. Um, I think that, obviously, with the, another change in the coaching staff with Brian Harson coming on, it would be interesting to see <clears throat> what happens, what they look like. I mean, the Iron Bowl is back at the, the end of the schedule where it belongs. But, um, you know, I <laughs> – the last time that, that Auburn beat Alabama without Gus Malzahn as head coach was 2007, and that was Nick Saban's first year, obviously, in Tuscaloosa. I don't think that uh, – or I think that, that Brian Harson will, will share a similar fate. I think that, that Alabama wins that game. Um, I don't think it will be as close as the 17-10 uh, loss that, that Saban suffered to Tommy Tuberville, but – with them having to replace the guys on the outside at wide receiver, um, their top three guys are gone. Um, with a lot of the guys they they lose on the defensive side of the ball, I think it's just it's too much. Um, you know, Bo Nix didn't necessarily take a huge step in year two, and having to replace his top three receivers is is big. Um, it helps in having Tank Bigsby back. It helps in having that offensive line back. But I don't think that'll be enough just to see this offense again take that next step. So. I have them right there at number six. Um, being at Jordan Hare Stadium it had a lot to do with it. Um, that that whenever you see Alabama playing on the road at Auburn, uh, you, you take into account that anything can happen. But uh, again, I mean, playing or coming off a six and five season, replacing a head coach and replacing so many key players, I had to put them at the bottom of the first half of this list. I went with Mississippi State at six and. I thought you started to see that offense, and you're right. It was a absolute shutout of the Pirate in Tuscaloosa by Alabama. But moving on from that point, the commitment to Will Rogers at quarterback, now we'll see. Jack Abraham, as we mentioned earlier, the transfer from Southern Miss has entered that mix. Uh, we'll see if Rogers is able to hold up. But 
Rodgers seemed to establish some chemistry, especially with Jaden Wally at the wide receiver position. And that served the Bulldogs very well through their bowl game win over Tulsa to cap the season. Charles Cross is back at offensive tackle. You're seeing him as a third-year player show up in a good bit of way-too-early first-round mocks for the 2022 NFL Draft. And I like Zach Arnett, the young defensive coordinator. State should be strong at all three levels. Aaron Brule is a linebacker that you're going to hear more and more about. I think in the secondary, um, you're pretty stout throughout that back end of that defense with Emmanuel Forbes coming off a Really impressive, true freshman campaign. So I like State maybe a little bit more than some folks. And again, the game, as you talked about with Auburn being played on the road, Alabama, it's kind of a weird spot there coming off the road trip to, I believe, College Station at that point in the season. Um, it's, it's, a, it's not a preferred spot on the schedule. You know, you're going to go Ole Miss on the road at Texas A&M, and then Mississippi State on the road in three straight weeks. So uh, I'll go with Mississippi State, although I think when you look at these spots, kind of six through eight, we had pretty much the same teams. We just had them Mm -hmm. in a few different spots. Not a whole lot different, really, when you look at it. How about number five, Charlie, on this list? Who are you going with there? I went with Ole Miss, and I thought about ranking them maybe a spot or two higher. Uh, because Ole Miss was the first team that really gave Alabama just a ton of trouble. Um, defensively, they didn't really have any answers for the Rebels. Now, of course, you have to replace guys like Elijah Moore and Kenny Yaboa uh, in Oxford, but Matt Corral, the, the quarterback's back. Um, I think Jerry Neely is a young guy that uh, has a lot of potential in this league. Um, defensively, I mean, I don't know how much it matters facing Alabama but um, with Lane Kiffin in town and coming back to Tuscaloosa, that should be an entertaining week leading up to it. Um, but I just think Ole Miss, is, it, it can be a thorn um, with, with Lane Kiffin there in Oxford. And um, you know, they're a team that was the finish right there at 500 last year. And um, you know, I think they can maybe take that next step forward if they can get some, some weapons to step up around uh, Matt Corral. So, yeah, I think the Rebels um, – that'll be an intriguing game it helps us not in oxford but we've seen Ole miss before coming to tuscaloosa and win like so it. yeah i think that Ole miss to me i almost rank them a bit higher um if, if we're in the same boat i think we're probably thinking on the same wavelength but yeah it's just I, I keep thinking back to them scoring um 48 points uh in, in Oxford against yards Alabama. of offense yeah yeah, yeah that was exactly. some night I went Miami at five, and I just still have questions until you can tell me with certainty about the status of De'Eric King for the season opener in Atlanta. I felt like five was about the ceiling I could do for the Hurricanes, and it's understanding that, once again, Manny Diaz mining that transfer portal with Charleston Rambo, the wide receiver I teased earlier from Oklahoma making his way to South Florida, DeAndre Johnson, an edge defender, comes in from the University of Tennessee. You've got a war daddy right there in the middle of that defense and Nesta Jade Silvera. So there are some real positives, but it could be, depending on King's rehab, and I know the early indications were that he should be available, but his mobility and his legs are such a big part of his game. And uh, if he's coming off a knee injury and he is forced to spend more time from the pocket, 
that obviously helps an Alabama defense that really shouldn't need a whole lot of help in 2021. So maybe it's Jake Garcia, a true freshman that ends up starting against Alabama or playing against Alabama. He was very impressive, as I understand it, in the spring. Tyler Van Dyke, another young quarterback that could be in that mix. But I'm going with Miami in that season opener there as uh, the fifth. The fifth best, fifth toughest opponent for Alabama in 2021. So what about in that four spot for you then, Charlie? I went with Miami. Um, you're coming off an eight and three season. I think it's more for me the potential and maybe wishful thinking of not witnessing another neutral side opener <laughs> that's just a, a dud. Um, I think that uh, there's potential. Of course, they have to replace uh, some talented edge rushers uh, that, that left and were uh, drafted this year. And I think, it, like, like you said, it depends on the health of uh, De'Aaron King and how he's able to play. Um, if he's healthy, I think it's an intriguing matchup. I still think Alabama wins the game. Um, you know, Sitting here, what, 115 days out from the opener, I uh, feel pretty confident about that. Uh, defensively, I think Alabama, um, we saw how dominant they were in the spring. But I, I just think you know, I, it's more for me – Whenever I was putting this together, just wanting it to be a good Miami team. Again, coming off an eight-win season in a shortened a conference-only year. Um, I, I want that to be a matchup to get excited for. You know, Nick Saban doesn't lose these matchups uh, in neutral side openings. Um, you know, he doesn't lose in Atlanta to start the season. Uh, but I, I want it to be at least competitive. So I think maybe this is me more trying to speak it into existence. But um, I, I think that that one, while I do think Alabama will win, I think I'm hoping uh, Miami will be able to field everybody healthily and uh, make for an exciting matchup. Yeah, we talked earlier about when you show up on Alabama's schedule sometimes as much as anything. I think Miami sort of in a 180 from Arkansas, if they could have this game maybe mid-October, late-October, with Derek King getting a little more time, I would like them better on this schedule than, say, looking at Arkansas late. I think Arkansas would be better served seeing Alabama early. So timing has a lot of, to do with it as well. Number four, I went with Ole Miss. Of course, that offense should still be explosive with Matt Corral, with Snoop Connor, Jerry and Ely. You said it, Elijah Moore moves on, Yaboa moves on. Uh, but they still have capable guys at the wide receiver position, Jonathan Mingo being one of those. Probably, in my opinion, one of the more undervalued returning offensive lines in the SEC, if not maybe all of college football, is going to be in Oxford this fall. Now, we go over to the defensive side of the ball, and it's been a nightmare. And so exactly how this pick holds up, uh, will have to do with that side of the ball. But you certainly expect, even with a game being played in Tuscaloosa, you're going to get the full lane, especially in that scenario. Coming back to Tuscaloosa with those weapons, with those uh, people he's got on offense, uh, I think John Rice Plumley is going to be a big part of what they do as a sort of all-purpose player. I'll, I'll step out there a little bit. I'll step out there a little bit with Lane in that four spot. I'm guessing our top three, well, they have to be the same teams in our top three, but the order might be a little bit different. So who are you going with there at number three, Charlie? This, I think the top of it was probably the hardest to me. Um, I went with LSU and it had a lot to do with how last season shook out uh, going five and five. 
uh, for the Tigers was obviously a, a disappointment coming off of the national championship. Uh, you obviously dealt with uh, injury issues for Miles Brennan. If he's healthy, I think that definitely helps the offense to to win a few more games. And you're going to have to replace guys like Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall uh, in the wide receiving core. Um, I think Kayshawn Butte showed some good things for the Tigers last year. And defensively, you know, they're going to have to improve as well. But, um, you know, this game's in Tuscaloosa. Um, so that one, you know, Alabama does really well in Baton Rouge. Uh, but the last time that this team came to Tuscaloosa, obviously, um, was not the way Alabama wanted that to play out. I think that will be maybe discussed a little bit. And uh, I think the LSU is going to be improved. I don't know if they're going to do a complete 180 and jump up from 500 to you know competing for an SEC West title. But I think they're, you know, you look at the teams that are maybe on the fence. I think LSU has the talent. They obviously recruit at a really high level that they can, you know, do a reversal quicker than most. So I expect the Tigers to bounce back. Again, it, it depends on the health of, of Miles Brennan. Uh, if he's healthy and plays like people think he's capable of, I don't think he can have a maybe a Joe Burrow type season, but I think he can be definitely serviceable for them at the quarterback position. But if that happens, then I think they bounce back, and, and that's why I have them at number three. Number three, I went with the road trip to the University of Florida to take on the Gators, who like a few teams on this list, more than a few actually, going through transition at the quarterback position. Emory Jones anticipated to be the replacement uh, for Driscoll uh, down there in, in Gainesville. Uh, excuse me, Kyle Trask. I always get jeff driscoll and kyle trask mixed up i don't understand that but yes kyle trask moving on to the tampa bay buccaneers as a early round draft pick at tampa bay so emory jones steps in there i like the transfer portal additions that florida was able to uh, accumulate acquire there especially on the defensive line with daquan newkirk coming in from auburn that was a blow to the tigers to lose newkirk you got Demarcus Bowman, a talented running back coming in from Clemson to an already pretty loaded running back situation. I guess the question you have with the Gators, and I'm going to expect anyway that they're number two on your list, is how do they go about replacing or bridging the gap from the production that they got from Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney and also Trayvon Grimes, very good receiver, undervalued, sort of in the shadows of those other two guys so I got the Gators three, which makes me think you might have them two. Or are you going to surprise us there, Charlie? No, I have them in number two. Um, it, they do have to replace a lot. Uh, you know, losing Kyle Trask, who was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, that, that's not easy. Um, losing a guy like Kyle Pitts, who's just a unicorn <clears throat> at the position, uh, Kadarius Tony, the guys that you outlined already. You know, that that's tough, but. I think Emory Jones gives them a, an interesting option. Um, you know, obviously, he's more of a, a dual threat, and we've seen what guys like that can do in Dan Mullen's offense. So I think it's 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 intriguing. Again, Florida's recruited at a high level. Um, you know, the the LSU's, the Floridas, the the Georgias of the world. When they're on Alabama's schedule, they're usually in this spot, and and that's what did it for me. I think the reason that I had them ranked uh, ahead of LSU is because it's on the road, and uh, you know they're coming off a, an eight and four season. Um, they they played Alabama really tough in the SEC championship game, 52-46. Again, though, they have to replace a lot of the pieces that were contributing factors to that. But um, I think they have the talent in place. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to rank them number one. I'll be excited to go down to the swamp for the first time and 
across another SEC stadium off the list. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't think about even putting them at, at number one. But uh, we'll see what happens. You know, they could they could surprise a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of heat on Todd Grantham, defensive coordinator at Florida after the performance of that group a year ago. Uh, so we'll see. Florida on all three levels, that defense should be improved, though. Ventrell Miller coming back at middle linebacker is big and you know, have some quality corners, need to get some better play from the safety positions. This might be a little bit of, of a surprise to you. In my number two spot are the Aggies of Texas mm. A&M. How about that? Joe wow. Fisher, fresh from his beat his ass comment from a week or so ago. I've got questions about A&M more so offensively than I do anything else. And that's understanding Jalen Weidermeyer back at tight end, Isaiah Spiller running back and Smith can give you a little bit of everything, but is it really going to be Haynes King uh, as the successor to Kellen Mond? So the theme isn't going to change all that much for me with A&M. It's going to be, can the quarterback play uh, at a high enough level to get the Aggies over the Alabama hump and in fairness to Kellen Mond and a couple of his starts, Played pretty good. Um, defense should be exceptional with McKinley Jackson back to Marvin Leal on that defensive line. Peavy's back up front. Some returning experience, certainly in the secondary. Got to replace Buddy Johnson at middle linebacker. But you know, there's so much that's going to be made of this game, especially in the wake of Jimbo's comments there on October the 9th. And the degree of difficulty ramps up no doubt because it will be played in college station but still still charlie i have number two which uh you know that might be a bit of a surprise and with that i think we know who your number one is yeah i had texas a&m and i'll be honest looking at the schedule and breaking it down this way it's not hard to, to envision alabama going 12 and 0 again this year um i think there's obviously some talented teams uh, where they fall on the schedule is important. I think with this game being in College Station, that's big. I mean, with given Jimbo's comments and the way Nick Saban responded uh, with his perfectly teed up in golf uh, response, uh, <laughs> I think this trip to Aggieland is going to be entertaining. It usually is. Uh, it's a great place to watch a game. But uh, I think with A&M only losing one game last year, that being to Alabama uh, in 52-24 fashion, um, those comments is, this is just, I think the excitement around this one will be at an all time high. I'm maybe outside of the return trip to college station with AJ McCarron and Johnny Menzel, uh, duking it out. I just think with this one, even though you have to replace Kellen mind, uh, I don't think Kellen mind just struck a lot of fear in Alabama fans. Um, they're obviously anytime you have to, to replace a quarterback and one that's ex- as experienced as him, that's a problem, but you mentioned it. You got guys like Isaiah Spiller back. You have plenty of weapons around said quarterback to, to help him uh, get the job done. And then defensively, I think, yeah, their defensive front is, is really special, and they have a chance to, to be a strong group on that side of the ball. Um, I don't think they'll beat Alabama. Again, I, looking at this, it's, it's easy to right now sit here and think Alabama doesn't lose a game in the regular season. But I think with everything that's been said, with the trip being in or the game being in college station and the Aggies coming off a year where they were right on the doorstep of maybe getting to the college football playoff. And that's why I put them here. They have the talent. Uh, they need the quarterback position to be uh, resolved and figured out. But 
I think just the the draw of this game is at least right now with everything going on in the offseason, that's why I put them at number one. I think this game, this far out, when you look at Alabama and A&M, it may be something as simple as which offensive line can get the other defense blocked because both offensive lines are going through some transition at some key spots and in terms of numbers as well, and both offensive lines are going to be going against defensive lines that should be absolute hell on wheels. So those matchups in the trenches will be of utmost interest and importance on October the 9th. My number one, I've got the LSU Tigers. That might be a little bit of a shocker to some folks out there, but what I see is a once again stacked roster. Yes, I understand the dark clouds that have taken occupancy, uh, taken up residence there in Baton Rouge where Title IX, where the NCAA is concerned. Uh, But I absolutely love Max Johnson at quarterback, and you've talked about Miles Brennan. I think either way they're going to be fine. Uh, at the quarterback position. You mentioned Kayshawn Boutte. He is a star waiting to happen. Was an absolute monster down the stretch of the 2020 season. You've got capable running backs. You've got all five offensive line starters back. Who the hell knows? Eric Gilbert might even be back before it's all said and done. We thought Eric Gilbert was going to be a Florida Gator. He might end up back at uh, LSU. They take in another transfer linebacker and Mike Jones from Clemson. You've got lockdown corners. I know. I know you're laughing, Alabama fan, when I say Derek Stingley's a lockdown corner after what Devontae Smith did to him the last couple of years. But Derek Stingley Jr. is a very good corner. Eli Ricks going into his second year, a very good corner. I got LSU at the top of the list, even though that game, of course, is going to be played in Tuscaloosa on November the 6th. Well, Charlie, there you go. There is our rankings of the Alabama opponents for the 2021 football season. You know, we weren't all that far off with each other, were we? I mean, we had teams in different spots once we got inside the top eight or so, but uh, the range of difference between our picks, they weren't really all that radical. I guess I guess LSU, um, you know, and uh, A&M, would stand out. But otherwise, when you get into the midsection of the conference right now, anyway, it feels like a little bit of a, a draw from out of a hat. Yeah. I think the big thing too, is, I mean, we're sitting here on, on May 12th and you have summer workouts, you have preseason camps. Some of these teams are going to look a little different, or at least things will be uh, clear once we get you know closer to the season. But I mean, it's talking season. This is what we got to do. This is what we're left with. And uh, I think, though, I mean, like you said, the range of these, uh, obviously the 12 through 10 were the same. You know, eight through six, we had the same teams. We just, I think we fought four and five, and the top three were the same. They're just in different order. If we had sat here and been like, oh, yeah, I agree with everything you said, what's the point in recording a podcast? So I think where, that makes where, good. Where would the A-Day game have ranked on this list for you? <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe that's where. Maybe that's what yeah. we should have had in this discussion. We should have included A-Day, Charlie. If we were going to include A-Day, I would like to do it with – keep it in the hypothetical sense that they don't have 24 players out because of COVID-19. Yeah. If you have yeah. a roster, then yeah, I mean, I think I, I would almost put 8 at number one with that first team, <laughs> off the, the first team defense. Again, like the thing to me that this did the most was make it clear that Alabama, if Bryce Young can play well, they can get things figured out on the offensive line and at wide receiver and stay healthy. 
they've got a chance to to go back to back years of running the table. Wow. wow, that would be something. Well, it's been a lot of fun, man. I like these and uh, good stuff as always, Charlie. Always great stuff for us there, as you said. You continue your off season breakdown of teams. I continue to look at individual players from opposing teams for Alabama in the 2021 season. So we're going to have you covered as far as previewing the upcoming campaign. And Charlie, always great stuff for us there at BOL. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'd I'd be lying if I didn't say I looked at your uh, top five opposing quarterbacks (laughs) for the cheat sheet on this. That was definitely a a great tool and resource. So, yeah. Well, you're right, though. It's a good exercise for what we do because it's important that you know the uh, the 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 foes and the other teams um and we've got the time to do it this time of year and i think it's important as a fan to be up to speed as much as you possibly can on opponents for the upcoming season so it's not only fun it's it's good drill as they say finish the drill we try to do that at bamaonline.com thanks again charlie we'll do it again soon oh yeah no problem man always good to catch up there he goes charlie potter long time cover of the Alabama beat for us there at BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryder, thanking you once again for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. Until next time, so long, everybody.